Let's get started. There's a, uh, uh, a girl who just wrapped up her, her first semester, and she writes a letter to her mom and dad. It says, Dear Mom and Dad, just thought I'd drop you a note uh, to clue you in <laughs> on my plans. Okay, you love that? Um, I've fallen in love with a guy by the name of Jim, and he quit high school in the 11th grade and got married, and about a year ago, he got a divorce. Um, he's been going steady. We've been going steady for two months now, and we plan to get married in the fall. Um, until then, I've decided to move in to his apartment, um, and I think I might be pregnant. At any rate, I dropped out of school last week, although I'd like to finish college sometime in my life. And then it says, read the next page, and they flipped, flipped it over. And it says, Mom and Dad, I just want you to know that everything that I've written so far in this letter is false. None of it is true. But Mom and Dad, it is true that I got a C- minus in French and flunked my math class, and it is true that I'm going to need some more money for my tuition payments. How's that for perspective, Mom and Dad? Mom and Dads are reaching into their wallet right now with a big smile on their face, ready to pay the bill. Amen? Yes. Perspective. Perspective. Today, we're going to talk about a pretty cool dude in the Bible, by the name of Joseph, and uh, Joseph was a dreamer. Uh, in fact, throughout this story, um, this is a dreaming story. I mean, everywhere you turn around, somebody's dreaming. Um, I'm always kind of leery of people who are always talking about how God spoke to them in a dream. God spoke to me in a dream last night. I, I read about one guy who dreamt he ate a 10-pound marshmallow, and he woke up, and his pillow was gone. Uh, dreaming. Uh, I'm going to do something I've never done before. Um, um, this person doesn't even know that I'm going to do this. This is Family Sunday, and um, I had gotten a book for Caden. How many know who Caden is? Raise your hand if you know who Caden Brown is. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's here. Is he here in the room? Okay, yeah. Um, Caden, if you would, would you come up here for a minute? Just come on up here. Yeah, Caden. Yeah, give him a hand. Did, did you know I was going to do this? No. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, this is a cool dude. I got him a Bible. Uh, one of those comic-type Bibles, thinking, you know, well, he's just a kid, you know, and got to get him a comic book Bible. And he's looking at me like right now, like I can read better than you. <laughs> but um, but um, I got in this book, and it's, uh, would you say it's that thick? About that thick, maybe? A little thicker. A little thicker, okay. A little thicker. And... Uh, and so the other day, uh, well, it's been about a month or two back, I said, hey, you reading that book? He said, oh, yeah, I've already got it done. I said, no, you don't have... And I kind of, just to be honest with you, uh, I was kind of wondering if you were telling me the truth. So it was a couple months later, or a month later, he says, um, 
hey, I want you to know I read that book again. I'm like, okay. You read it again. Again, I'm thinking, tall story. Um, today or yesterday, I'm studying about Joseph, and um, I get a text from his mom. And his mom says, take a look at this picture, and sent it to Crystal and I, and he's in the back reading the Bible that I got him. And I thought, man, that is so cool. And I told her, I said, I'm reading about Joseph right now. And uh, so she says, oh, she texts me back and she says, I just asked him about Joseph. He just told me the story. I thought, ah, okay, you'd like to hear that one. Would you like to tell just a little bit of the story? Can no. I, hold on, hold on. So, so, <laughs> hold on a minute. Listen, I want to tell you something. Um, I did not prompt him to do this. He had no idea I was going to do this. You want to know how much our kids are learning? Listen to this. You can hold it. Listen, don't get, com- don't get too comfortable with that. All right. Hey, um, I am going to tell you this. I'm going to cut him off because he will preach my message. All right. So go ahead. Tell the story from the beginning. Joseph is a man that has... 11 other brothers. His 10 brothers hated him because he was the favorite son. Even though he was the favorite son, his brothers still hated him because of because even though he was the favorite son, they hated him because he had dreams about they about how they bowed down to him. So they sold Joseph to a caravan bound for Egypt. Joseph Joseph went to Egypt and was sold as a slave to the Pharaoh's general. The general's wife fell in love with Joseph as he got older. But the but the general's wife lied to the lied to the Pharaoh's general. So the general put Joseph in jail and then the prison officer thought that Joseph was handling the prisoners so the so the office so the officer in charge of the prison made Joseph in charge of the other prisoners and then later after that the king's butler and baker were put in jail because they were abusing the king and then because of that they said that they were both having dreams all right, that's enough. That's enough. Hey, dude, come on. Hey, let's do this. All right. Thank you, buddy. Have a seat. All right, listen, I want to tell you something. Um, he, he, could, he could continue, and he, can, and he could tell. He did skip some parts, but you know what? I heard him back there because right before service, I said, hey, tell me a little bit about that story, and I'm going, oh, my God. He, he, is, he can tell the story. The complete story better than I can. And if I had planned this out, I'd have had him up here speaking that story. <clears throat> All right? Um, thank you, Caden. Let's give him a hand. That's awesome. <clears throat> Joseph, Joseph was the 11th, 11th son of Jacob. And uh, his first son uh, through his uh, faith. I'm just repeating everything. All right? Because I told you he's preaching my message. He was the 11th son of Jacob. His first son, uh, through his favored wife, his favored wife was Rachel. 
And uh, he's 17 years old, and he, he goes out, and he's helping his brothers uh, shepherd the flock. And so he, his half-brothers, I should say, and he comes back uh, to his dad, and he starts narking on his brothers, all the bad things that they did while they were out there. And the Bible says that Jacob uh, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. He actually built, made him, built him a, a special robe. Um, and Joseph's brothers knew that um, their dad loved uh, him better than he loved all of them, which caused them to hate Joseph. Parents, lesson number one, all right? It caused them to hate Joseph. To make matters worse, Joseph began sharing dreams with the family, prophetic uh, dreams, uh, visions, showing Joseph one day ruling over all of them, the family. And their hostility uh, and anger just grew to the point of it, it, the point where they start plotting to kill him. I mean, plotting to kill their own brother. And Reuben, the oldest, objected outright to murder um, and suggested that they throw him into a dried up well, a deep dried up well, and he planned to come back and rescue his little brother. Uh, but in Reuben's absence, some of the merchants, some merchants, caravan, Caden, uh, uh, came by, and Judah suggested that uh, they'd sell Joseph off to, into slavery. And the brothers did all this before Reuben could come back and rescue the guy. And so the brothers took Joseph's robe, they dipped it in some, in some goat's blood, and they were going to give it to his dad and tell him that, you know, some wild beast got a hold of him and killed your favorite son. Now, I want to pause here just for a second. Uh, let's zoom out, as uh, Dustin says a bit, and look at this scene. Joseph's 17 years old. If you can just put yourself in this place for a moment, he's 17 years old, and He's dad's favorite, but he's hated by his brothers. Hated so much that they want to kill him. They want to do away with him. They threw him in this well and then decided to sell him off. I got to say something right now. For many of us, that curveball throws us off for life right there. That right there we start using excuses for the rest of our life. We start saying, oh, mom and dad did this, and you know, they divorced, and they did all, you know, and this and that happened. And we begin to use it as a crutch. But I want to tell you something. I want you to, don't be ashamed of your past. Don't let your past hold you back. God has plans for you. He's got plans for you. In fact, if, if anything, use your past. Leverage your past for a much bigger plan that God has in mind for you. Now, let's get back to Joseph's story. Joseph was sold um, again uh, by the merchants, by those uh, folks in that caravan, to a, a high-ranking Egyptian by the name of Potiphar and eventually became the supervisor. He just did everything right. He did everything good. Um, Joseph excelled. Uh, at his duties and became one of Potiphar's most trusted servants and was put in charge of his entire household. And Potiphar, he could see on Joseph's life that 
Everything was going good. Everything he touched was turning into gold. He saw God's hand on Joseph's life, that everything that, that happened uh, prospered. And so eventually, though, Potiphar's wife attempted to seduce uh, Joseph. Joseph, apparently, the Bible talks about him as being a studly dude, uh, nice-looking guy, built good and everything, kind of like me, uh, All right, when you don't laugh, it's real obvious, okay? Uh, <laughs> Joseph, though, consistently refused her attempts uh, to come after him, and he's just, just showing honor uh, to his master, to the master who entrusted him with all this stuff and, and, and forbid to hit the sack with her. And so one day, Potiphar's wife caught Joseph and actually grabbed him by the coat, and he hit uh, left for Dodge. And the problem is, is that he let her get a hold of his coat. And she was making these sexual advances, and Joseph took out. And in anger, she falsely accused Joseph uh, to her husband uh, of attempted rape. And Potiphar uh, got mad, uh, like Kay said, and put him in prison. And um, Joseph in this story is doing everything right. He, his life is like, you know, pristine. I mean, he's, he's good. I mean, like everything that happens is wonderful. Uh, he's done nothing wrong. In fact, everything has been good. And I want to pause just for a second and say once again, if you're here today and you're trying your best. You're, 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 you're trying to turn the corner. You're, you're um, trying to do things right. You're trying to turn over a new leaf. Maybe it's a, a diet. Maybe it's a diet that you want to just get started. You just started on and you decided to, uh, or maybe it's you decided to control your money, financial peace, and, or, and you're finding out you know, that the money's controlling you. Or, or you decided to control uh, to decide to take the high road in situations um, instead of going off on somebody at work or at home. Or maybe you decided to steer clear of the filthy junk that's on the internet. Um, and, or maybe um, you've recently decided, and I think this is the case in many of the people here today, you've recently decided to follow Jesus. I'm throwing up a big warning right now to all of you. Usually it's right about that time when all of hell breaks loose when you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to turn the corner, so to speak. Uh, instead of eating healthy, uh, something comes up at work and you stop and grab a quick burger. At least that's my excuse. Or, or you get a flat tire and there goes the budget, right? Uh, or you see somebody or something on TV or whatever and, and you go check out the porn again. Or, 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 but, but God wants you, listen to me, God wants you to zoom out for a second today. And, and he wants you to get a much bigger picture of this thing because he's got a bigger plan for you. Don't let these things that happen to you shame you or detour you in your life. His plan for you is much greater. It's much greater, listen to me, it's much greater than you even. Back to Joseph. He's in jail for something he didn't do. And Joseph was again blessed by God 
Joseph interpreted, as, as Kay said, the dreams of two of his fellow prisoners. Both interpretations proved that he was true and that, it was, that what he said was true. And one of them was later released from jail and, and restored to his position as the king's cupbearer. But the cupbearer forgot all about Joseph. He forgot to tell the, the king that he, that he, why he you know, was able to interpret the dream. And so two years later, the king himself has a troubling dream. And he can't interpret. He has everybody try to interpret it. And the cupbearer remembered Joseph's gift of interpretation. And the king summoned Joseph and related that dream to Joseph. And based on Pharaoh's dream, Joseph predicted seven years of bountiful uh, 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 harvest, followed by seven years of what? Famine. And he advised the king to begin storing grain in preparation for the coming drought. And for the wisdom that the king saw in Joseph. Joseph was made, here we go, a ruler over Egypt. He was second only to the king. Joseph was in charge of storing up food during the years of plenty, and he was also in charge of selling it to the Egyptians and the foreigners during the times of famine. And when the famine struck, it struck at its worst, even hit Canaan where Joseph's family actually lived, uh, Jacob, his father, tent, uh, uh, sent 10 of his sons to Egypt to buy grain so that they could eat. And he kept back. Who do you think he kept back? Okay, who did he keep back? Benjamin, right? He kept back Benjamin, his youngest, and the other son that he had from Rachel. So while in Egypt... Here's what happens. The men, the brothers, met their long-lost brother who they did not recognize. But Joseph recognized his brothers. He tested them by accusing them of being spies. He confined them for two or three days and then released them, all but one of them. And he sent them uh, back to their homes with grain and required them he required them to come back. If you want more grain, you got to come back and you got to bring your younger brother, Benjamin. Still completely unaware of Joseph's identity, the brothers were tormented with the guilt for selling their brother years before. And Joseph overheard them talking about this and he began to weep himself. But he didn't let them see this. So he keeps back his brother Simeon and sent the others on their way, but he secretly puts their money that they paid for this grain back in their bags and he sends them on their way. The brothers stop about you know, some part of the way back to get some drinks for the animals and he re they realize, they look in their bags and they realize the money's in there and they're like, oh my gosh, they're gonna think we stole this. And they begin to fear all again. And when they got home, they told Jacob all about this thing and what had happened. And Jacob mourned again the loss of, of Joseph and now Simeon, and he refused to send Benjamin. But the famine got worse and worse and worse. And the next thing you know, Jacob gives in and he decides, is persuaded, Judah had persuaded Jacob to send Benjamin. And when Joseph saw the men arrive, he instructed his servants to slaughter the animal, prepare a meal for his brothers so that they could dine with him. And the brothers were afraid at this invitation that they got to Joseph's home. 
the brothers made apologies right away to the Joseph to Joseph Stewart, uh, and he said for the money that they had, you know. Uh, gotten back into their bags and they thought, you know, better apologize for this. And Joseph Stewart reassured them and brought Simeon out. And when Joseph returned, the brothers bowed to Joseph, thus fulfilling the prophecy and the dream that Joseph had. And he asked about their family's welfare and he wept again. And this time when he wept, he removed himself from the chamber. And when the man uh, sat down for the meal, uh, all the men sat down for the meal uh, at a separate table from Joseph. They were all amazed because they were in birth order, the way they were sitting. And Benjamin, by the way, was given five times more than the rest of his brothers. Um, and before sending them back to their father, Joseph again tested his brothers by putting their money once again back in their bags and this time, he takes his own silver goblet, his own silver cup, and he puts it in Benjamin's bag, not, and him not knowing it. And he sends them off, and the steward ends up chasing after them, following after them, and found them. And as soon as they found them, Joseph's silver cup is found in Benjamin's bag, and all of a sudden, they threaten to kill, the steward did, to kill Benjamin. And now they're freaking out. And they bring him back in the presence of Joseph. And Judah pleaded for Benjamin's life, his brother. Saying that if Benjamin would die, my father would be so grieved and he would die. And then um, even told him that he would sacrifice his own life for Benjamin. So Joseph has them in the palm of his hand. He's got them dead to rights. He has them right where most of us would want them, right there. Guys, today I'm going to talk to you about one of the most, probably the single most difficult act we can ever do in our life, and that's forgive. Forgiveness. That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. There's a lot of erroneous thinking about forgiveness um, about forgiving one another. Uh, most people totally misunderstand um, what true forgiveness is, it re what it really is. Most people totally misunderstand that. Um, a, lot of mis a lot of misconception. Uh, so today, we're gonna look at this forgiveness a little closer because forgiveness gets watered down. It gets, wa it gets abused and it gets cheapened. And I have this uh, quiz. I was going to quiz you, but I'm just going to put them up on the screen now for you to read. And they're just a, a few true and or false questions. But if we study the Bible and as you read them, um, and what we, we see what Jesus actually says in the Bible, we discover that all five of those statements are false. Um, we're going to talk today about true forgiveness and before we can talk about true forgiveness and what true forgiveness is, we need to talk about what it's not. And so the first thing it's not is it's not conditional. Forgiveness is not conditional. 
Real forgiveness is unconditional. It's not earned, it's not deserved, it's not bargained for, uh, it's not paid for, it's not based on some promise that you'll never do it again. If you say to somebody, I'll forgive you if, that's not forgiveness, that's bargaining. Um, Like when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them if they ask for it. The truth is nobody had to ask for it, did they? Because Jesus just prayed on that cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Genuine forgiveness is unconditional. The second thing it's not is it's not to be minimized. You don't minimize the seriousness of the offense. Like, ah, oh, it's, it's no big deal. Don't, yeah. it's, no, it's, not, it's not a big deal. Just, you know, just forget about it. That's not forgiveness. What if we'd have said that about Osama bin Laden? Ah, that's no big deal. No, no big deal. Don't worry about it. That's not forgiveness. That's called insanity. Um, uh, there's a difference between being wounded and wronged. Being wounded is accidental. Being wronged is intentionally trying to hurt somebody. And when you're wounded, when it's accidental, no forgiveness is required there. But when you intentionally are wronged, that requires forgiveness. Forgiveness is, is reserved for the serious stuff. And if you're intentionally hurt, when, when you minimize a wrong, either your own or somebody else's, you're cheapening True forgiveness. The, thir- the third thing it's not is it's not re- resuming a relationship uh, without changes occurring. This is probably the, the most misunderstood concept about forgiveness. The Bible teaches, and that's really what I'm doing today is teaching at this point. The Bible teaches that forgiveness is not the same as restoring a relationship. Okay? There's a big difference. Forgiveness is instant. Trust, trust must be built up over time, over a period of time. Forgiveness just lets the person off the hook, just lets the person go scot-free. That's what forgiveness is about. But it doesn't guarantee you guys that the relationship will be restored. Those are two different things. Forgiveness is your part of the reconciling. But your relationship to be restored is on the offender's side. That's where, that's where number one, they gotta, they gotta be sorry for what they've done. They've gotta be repentant for what they've done. They have to, number two, they gotta make amends for the things that they've done. Number three, uh, the offender must rebuild your trust. You know, over, by the way, over time, rebuild your trust. If somebody repeatedly wrongs you over and over and over again, let's say somebody in your family or a worker or a former friend or a former uh, spouse, you're obligated by God to forgive that person over and over and over again. But you are not obligated to trust that person or instantly restore that relationship. Okay? All right, everybody get that? All right, the... Other thing that it's not, it's not forgetting what happened. All right? You, you all heard the, the cliche, forgive and forget. Hey, isn't that nice? Isn't that cool? It's forgive and forget. The only problem is it's impossible to do. It's, in, it's, fact, it's, it's foolish, actually. It's illogical. First, it's impossible to forget something. Now, my wife would disagree with you on that about me. When, when you're trying to forget something, what are you actually doing? You're focusing on it. You're remembering it. 
All right? The fact is, your brain stores every single memory that you've ever had, so your brain doesn't ever forget anything. All right? However, there's something far better than forgetting. You know what it is? Remembering. 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 Realizing how God can bring good even out of bad junk. Uh, You can't thank God for something you've forgotten. Think about that. But you can turn around and use it for good, like Romans 8.28 says. This is the difference between forgetting and letting go. You, You remember it, but you let it go, okay? The Bible talks about letting go of the pain, letting go of the hurt that's inside of you, letting go of the the resentment and the bitterness that's inside of you, letting go of the things that you're actually, those things that you're actually holding on to, but that's not forgetting. The key is not forgetting. The key is seeing it with a different perspective, learning to see it through a lens of grace or through God's sovereignty, um, like, like through the lens of how God can turn uh, uh, even bad things into good in your life. So it's not forgetting what's happened. The next thing that it's not is that it's not my right to forgive somebody if I wasn't the one that was wronged. How many have seen that done before? Only the victim has the right to forgive. You can't forgive people who haven't hurt you. And when people offer forgiveness who haven't been hurt, it shortcuts real um, forgiveness. It, it, it's, actually, it's offensive to the one that's really been hurt. And for example, if, if, somebody were to, uh, if somebody were to hurt your, God forbid, your, your, your son or your daughter, it would be not right for me to go um, forgive that person. It's not my right. So we talked about what forgiveness isn't, but what is real forgiveness. Real forgiveness involves three things. The first thing it involves is relinquishing my right to get even. This is the heart of forgiveness. You don't seek Revenge. The Bible says in Romans 12, 19, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. We always think, man, if I give up um, my right to, to get even with somebody who's hurt me, that's just unfair. I mean, the get off scot-free, that's unfair. And you're right. It's unfair. There's absolutely nothing fair about forgiveness. Nothing. Was it fair for Jesus Christ to forgive everything that you've ever done and let you go scot-free? No way. We always want justice for everybody else, but we want forgiveness for ourselves, don't we? When it comes to to somebody else, it's not fair. Uh, We don't want God to be fair to us. We want God to be gracious to us. The truth is that life is not fair and forgiveness is not fair. It's called grace. 
It's called grace. And God has shown me so much grace, and I know that he's shown you so much grace, and I'm so grateful for it. Let's give him thanks for that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But the Bible does say that one day God will have the last word. That one day God is going to settle the score. And so we need to do that. We need to let God settle the score. You forgive, all right? So you can get beyond that place where you're hurting in your heart and have peace in your heart so that you can get on with your life and you leave the justice part to God. He's much better at it anyway. Now, if you don't do that, I'm telling you now, you're gonna fall into the trap of something that's really bad in our life, and that's bitterness, okay? Resentment and bitterness are worthless tools. They're worthless emotions in our life. In fact, doctors tell us that they're the most unhealthy emotions, the most unhealthy ones, all right? They'll eat, listen to the way the doctors describe it, they'll eat you alive from within, like cancer, all right? All the resentment that you have, that you've got, all the bitterness toward people won't change, guys, the past, all the resentment, all the bitterness, all, all the grudges that you're holding uh, won't change the future. All it's good for, all those emotions are good for is messing up your today. That's what it's good for. And who does it mess up? It messes up you. Uh, you're, you're holding it all in and the other person, hey, they've totally forgotten about it. They've moved on with their life. They're having a good old time. They're enjoying life. Yeah, they've gotten over them. They've moved on to the future and you're the one stuck in the past. And when you hold on to resentment, you allow people, this is what you allow them to do. They've already hurt you once, but you allow them to continue to hurt you on and on and on. Today. And that's not smart. Okay. I won't say that too often, but that's not smart. The people in your past are in the past. They can't continue to hurt you unless you choose to hold on to it, unless you choose to hold on to the hurt. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives you. For if he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but it can also poison the lives of many others. I want to tell you something about bitterness and resentment. Resentment can be passed on from generation to generation to generation. You can pass this junk on to your kids and to your grandkids, and it goes on. It goes on and on. Uh, you don't uh, just make yourself miserable when you're bitter. You make everybody around you miserable too. All right, the second thing about forgiveness, true forgiveness, is number two is respond to evil. With good, with good. Very common sense stuff that you've heard all of your life, right? Whew, how hard is that one? The Bible says it's like in Luke, do good to those who hate you, okay. Bless those who curse you, all right. Pray for those who mistreat you. How many do that every day? Just go, oh, Lord. <laughs> I heard somebody laugh. I'm laughing already, all right? How many do that? That's part of forgiveness. You return good for evil. How in the world 
do you know when you've genuinely forgiven somebody? And this is how, when you can pray, when you can pray for God to bless their life, even though they've made your life a miserable, you know what? When it's genuine, you can understand their hurt when it's genuine. When it's genuine. When it's genuine, you start seeing their hurt when it's genuine. Hurt people, I've said this before, hurt people do what? Hurt people. When people are hurting inside, they take it out on others. The parent who hurt you a lot, well, they were hurting a lot. When you learn to forgive, you not only see your own hurt, but you also see their hurt too. You start to see and understand why they acted uh, in such an evil or selfish or abusive uh, uh, or hurtful way. And, and you might be thinking, man, you, Steve, have no idea what they did to you and how bad they hurt me. And I want to tell you something right now. I don't know. And I'm so sorry for everyone who's in this room who has gone through that and been hurt. But I do know this. You'll never get on with your life unless you let it go. Amen. Unless you forgive and let it go. How in the world can I do that? How can I do that? There's only one possible way. You have to be filled with the love of God. That's the only way, the love of God. Because the Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. When I'm keeping a record of wrong, I'm being unloving. That's what I'm doing. On the other hand, when I let it go and I bless those who hurt me, then that means I'm filled with that love. You say, man, I, I can't do that. I, Steve, I, I just can't do that. And you're right, you can't. You can't. That's why you need Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no way that you can have that kind of love on your own. Only the love of God inside you can give you that kind of love. And finally today, the last thing about forgiveness is we need to repeat this process over and over and over again. Forgiveness is rarely a one-time shot. Rarely a one-time shot. Forgiveness goes on and on and on. How often do I got to do this? How often do I have to keep re 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 relinquishing my right to get even? How long do I have to, 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 to keep blessing them when they do evil to me? How, how long? Peter asked that question of Jesus. How often should I forgive someone who sinned against me? Seven times? No, Jesus replied, 70 times seven. In other words, you just gotta keep on. You just gotta keep on forgiving. They keep messing with you, you gotta keep on forgiving them. That's right. So Steve, how do you know when you've let it go? Well, you keep on doing it until the pain stops. You keep on. Every time you remember that hurt, you say to God, it still hurts me, God. But I'm choosing, I'm choosing, that's a big, that's a key word there. I'm choosing because I want to be filled with love and not resentment. I'm choosing to give up my right to get even, to seek revenge, to wish bad things on a person. God, I pray that you'll bless their life not because they deserve it, because they don't. But you know what? I don't deserve your blessings, God. But I pray that you'd show grace to them like you've shown grace to me. 
Listen, I told you up front that what I was going to share with you wasn't easy. In fact, I got to tell you right now, I have no doubt that there's someone here today who's involved in a relationship that's about to self-destruct. And it's about to self-destruct, not because of the hurt, not because of the initial hurt and pain in their life, but because of unforgiveness. Because of unforgiveness. You see, it's, it's not the hurt that destroys the marriage. It's the refusal to forgive that destroys the marriage. It's holding on and holding on and holding it over that person's head and holding it on. And some of you are in so much pain that every bone in your body wants to run away from that relationship, find somebody new just to ease that pain. I'm feeling your presence, Lord. Forgiveness isn't easy. But with God's power... You can do it. You say, I don't feel like forgiving. Who does? Who feels like forgiving? I, nobody ever feels like forgiving. Nobody. You do it because it's the right thing to do. You do it because you want to get on with your life. You know what the secret to genuine forgiveness is? Is to remember. And here's what you need to remember. Remember how much You've been forgiven by God. That's the secret right there. You remember how much you've been forgiven by God. Remember what it cost Jesus to forgive you for all the junk you've done in your life. Remember that you're not spotless, okay? Remember that you're not blameless. Remember that you've hurt a lot of people yourself in your life. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. In Ephesians, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You were forgiven, not because you deserved it, not because you earned it somehow, not because you figured out a way to balance it out with good works, not because you promised never to sin again. That's not why. But because, here's why. It's because you put your faith in Jesus Christ who died for you. And for that junk that you've done, for your forgiveness for that. Joseph, guys, could have done anything he wanted. He could have done anything. He could have, he could have stamped them out right then and there. He could have done anything he wanted to his brothers who, who hated him. As we wrap up here today. They hated him. They, they wanted to kill him. They threw him in a, in a well. And they sold him off to slavery. At this point, they were in his hands. He could have done anything to them. But we learned something very incredible, an incredible lesson from Joseph here. Listen to me closely. When Joseph saw the proof of his brother's change of heart, doesn't that mean everything? Change of heart. He saw that, and Joseph sent all his servants away. And he wept. And he wept openly, the Bible says, and loudly, even enough to be heard by Pharaoh's whole household. And then, then he reveals himself to them. 
Shall we stand? Joseph says to his brothers in chapter 45 of Genesis, Brothers, come near to me, please. They come in, they came over. He says, I'm your brother. I'm Joseph. Whom you sold to Egypt. I don't know what that life, what he went through. I just can only imagine based upon reading the story. The turmoil. The stress. The anguish. The hurt. Being abandoned by your family. And the next words out of his mouth are now and now (laughs) don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God everybody say for God for God sent me before you to preserve life there's a bigger plan you want to be part of a bigger plan that God has for your life. For the famine, it's been in the land for two years and there's five more to go. <laughs> and God sent me before you. He sent me ahead to preserve for you a remnant of earth. And to keep alive for you, many survivors. Verse 8 says, So it wasn't you. (laughs) It wasn't you who sent me here, but God. If we could have that perspective... going through troubles when we go through (laughs) it's raining outside if we could have that perspective when we lose our job if we could have that perspective facing eyeball to eyeball with our spouse and things aren't going well. If we could have that perspective. Are you hurting and broken within? the weight of your sin Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself 
devastated I want you to know how to get on with your life how to move forward how to progress how to fulfill the purpose that God has for you which again might not have anything to do with you or or not as much to do with you but the way and the only way to do that is forgiveness to trust that God has a better plan than you do. It's the only way that you're going to get on with your life. It's the only way that you're going to get over the hurt is forgiveness. Joseph actually reaffirmed his forgiveness years later after his dad passed away because the brothers thought oh man now that dad's gone here we go again this could happen but Joseph didn't wait even past the funeral and in Genesis chapter 50 it says Joseph wept when they spoke to him his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Hey, don't fear. 
For am I in the place of God? Don't you don't bow to me. <laughs> As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant all of that that you did for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today, as you witness, in other words. So don't fear. I'll provide for you and your little ones. And he went on to comfort them. And he spoke kindly to them. He didn't hold it over them. But he continued to speak kindly to them. Let's all close our eyes, bow our heads today. And I'd like for you to pray this prayer of release. Pray this prayer of um, renewal and restoration and forgiveness. If you'll do that today, everybody's eyes closed, everybody's head bowed. Would you let it go right now? Somebody's here harboring all of this in their heart. It's just too much. And I want you to think of the person right now that has hurt you in your life. This thing that you continue, this person that you continue to hold things over, hold it in your heart. And I'd like for you to pray today with me. Dear God, we we love you. We thank you for your forgiveness for what you've done in, in our lives. And God, you know how I've carried unforgiveness in my heart. I've held on to the hurts. I've held on to the memories. secretly wanted to get even but today I want to let go today God I want to get on with your plan (laughs) I want to get on with your plan in my life so in spite of how I feel God I want to do the right thing today right now this weekend person's name. I forgive whoever. I relinquish my right to get even with whoever. I let go of my right to get even. And I pray that this is the tough part. I genuinely mean it. I pray that you would work their life and I commit to continuing to forgive them Lord until I no longer feel the desire to seek revenge Jesus 
please replace my hurt with your peace and fill my life with your love. And I pray this in your name.